want to begin this morning by reading an article that appeared a number of decades ago. It's a condensed article that appeared in a magazine called Guidelines or Guideposts. And uh, it's written by a lady called Mary Ann Bird. It's called The Whisper Test. I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I must look to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When classmates would ask, what happened to your lip? I would tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. Then I entered Mrs. Leonard's second grade class. Mrs. Leonard was round and pretty and fragrant, with shining brown hair and warm, dark, smiling eyes. Everyone adored her. But no one came to love her more than I did, and for a special reason. The time came for the annual hearing test given at our school. I could barely hear out of one ear and was not about to reveal something else that would single me out as different. So I cheated. The whisper test required each child to go to the classroom door, turn sideways, close one ear with a finger, while the teacher whispered something from her desk, which the child repeated. Then the same for the other ear. Nobody checked how tightly the untested ear was covered so I merely pretended to block mine. As usual, I was last. But all through the testing, I wondered what Mrs. Leonard might say to me. I knew from previous years, the teacher whispered something like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? My time came. I turned my bad ear toward her plugging up the other just enough to be able to hear. I waited. And then came the words that God had surely put into her mouth. Seven words that changed my life forever. Mrs. Leonard, the teacher I adored, said softly, I wish you were my little girl. Words can be extremely powerful. They can shape an entire life. Some Bibles record the words of Jesus in red ink. If you have a Bible like that and look through it, you'll see that in this chapter and the chapters following, they're nearly all entirely red. The words of this chapter that we've heard read today have, have shaped lives, have changed people, transformed them, inspired, challenged. Here are just some of the words that we've heard today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The theme of home runs through the words of Jesus as he speaks to his disciples. Judas, as we heard last week, has already left. He has gone to betray his master. Simon and the other disciples have said, we'll stick with you, Lord. We'll stick with you to the end. At least I will. Jesus tells him before the night's out, he will deny him three times. And so Jesus speaks words of comfort. And what, what better metaphor to use than the metaphor of being home, of being in that place of comfort and security and protection and unconditional love, the place where we can ultimately be ourselves, to be known and to know. And so Jesus talks to his disciples knowing that his Life will soon be taken from him. He will soon be taken from them. And he speaks to them both about home in a, in a future sense, but also in the present tense. The word for this in theology is eschatology. It's not eschatology, that's what Harry Houdini practiced, but eschatology. And there are really two parts to it. Eschatology is, is all about the study of the end times, in other words, the time between Jesus being born and his return. In eschatology, there are, I suppose you would say there are two halves. There's the, what's called uh, realized eschatology, which means the kingdom of God on earth now. And there's future eschatology, the kingdom of God that is still to come in all of its fullness. It's known, particularly in John's gospel, as the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The reality is that Jesus Christ has come and has inaugurated, has introduced with his birth is the arrival of the kingdom of God on earth, a kingdom that will grow and shall grow and is growing and cannot be extinguished and that cannot be overcome and will always keep growing until Christ returns to bring it to completion. So often when we read this passage, we, we focus, and it's good to focus on it, we focus on the future eschatological meaning. 
we focus on the fact that heaven lies before us. And in a world where there's sickness and death and murder and discouragement, it is particularly encouraging to know that the kingdom of God is yet to come in all of its fullness. And so we do look forward to that place in heaven where there's a room for us, because in our Father's house there are many rooms. And there's only one way to be at home. There's only one way to find our way home, and it's in Jesus Christ. We cannot avoid the exclusivity of the Christian faith. We cannot avoid the fact that Jesus said, there is no way to get to the Father except through Him. And we proclaim that gladly and boldly in love, because the more we proclaim it, the more we'll be saved, the more we'll be rescued, the more we'll find their way home. But this passage is just as much about the here and now as it is about the hereafter. Listen to what Jesus says. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. From now on you do know him and have seen him. So often it's difficult for us to, to really comprehend what Jesus is saying to us as his disciples. He's saying this, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've experienced me and my spirit, you have experienced the Father. We have made our home with you. It is a present tense reality as well as a future reality. It's the reality of living in the presence of God in the here and now. And so when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he was speaking about living in the here and now. Listen to what Jesus said. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So often the Christian faith, we talk about us going to Jesus. Jesus talks more about him coming to us. And in this, there are really two separate meanings. One is this. When I come at Pentecost, when I come back to you before that, as the resurrected Jesus, I will come to you. You'll not need to find me. I will come to you. The disciples had the joy of this in Jesus walking into the upper room and greeting them, saying, peace be with you. They had the joy of it at Pentecost when the Spirit of God filled the room. Tongues of fire and a sound like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven. The part of the Christian faith that we often miss is this. Jesus comes to us, and with Him comes the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, as the understanding of the Old Testament uh, temple was, Jesus Christ is the place where we come home to God. There is only one place we can now and will do in the future come home to live with the Father, and that is in Jesus Christ. And so he talks in this metaphor of coming home to the Father through God, through Him. Home, our spiritual home, Jesus, is the place where we find belonging. 
It's the place where we are known and we know. It's the place where our identity is established. We are named and shaped. We are secure and protected. We develop in character. We develop authority and we develop confidence in that place of being loved and accepted. That's why a good home and a good home church are so vital. Jesus said, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come back to the Father. We come back to the place of belonging. And we discover that in our Father's house, there is a place for us. Not just as a future promise, but as a present reality. It's also the place of access, being at home with God and Christ. It's a place of communication. It's a place where we can commune and talk and listen to our Father. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach us and remind us of His words. And it also will encourage us and enable us to obey. And so He says, you may also ask for anything in my name and I will do it. The Spirit, as we enter into a place of prayer, creates new situations, circumstances, and realities. As we pray in the Spirit, God changes things. Anyone who loves me, said Jesus, will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. It's present tense. Home is also the place of inheritance. It's about being baptized into life, the life of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the day of Pentecost. He's talking about living in the reality of the Spirit in the here and now. You will do even greater things than these. How? because the Spirit, our advocate and guide, will be with us. The Spirit is the advocate who stands with us. The Spirit of Christ stands with us. And as we pray, He pleads on our behalf to the Father. He guides us, as Paul says, with groans that words cannot express. He guides us how to pray and what to pray and when to pray. He brings us into the place of home with the Father. And so Jesus said, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. The type of peace I give you, the world cannot give. The circumstances of the world, no matter how comfortable, no matter how easy, they cannot give you the peace that I give. And the peace that comes from God alone in Jesus Christ is this. It is the peace of trusting in Jesus Christ. It is the peace that comes by obeying His words. It is the peace that comes by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. How do we enter more fully into that peace that the world cannot give? Well, Jesus tells us in this passage, both at the start of this chapter and at the end of this chapter, He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Within ours, Jesus Christ would be arrested. The next day, He would be executed. The disciples would be in fear of their lives. They would be scattered. 
And we know that in the long run, many of them will be put to death. And Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Most of us will never face the difficulty of those early disciples. They had a much greater temptation to fear than we ever will. And yet Christ knew that the only way that the world was going to know that God is God in Jesus Christ was by them not worrying. It seems such a challenging command, and yet it is so central to what it means to live in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in the here and now and to be at home with God. And so here's the command of Christ to every one of us. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. Because here's the truth with which it's the, the truth that Satan often tries to muddle in our lives, and it is this. The level to which we worry is entirely at our own reckoning and our own disposal. The only one who can choose in our lives not to worry or to worry is ourselves. There is no one, no one, no one else in control of our thought patterns but ourselves. No matter how good our parenting, no matter how much time we may spend talking to a counselor, there is only one person who can decide if we live a life racked with anxiety or not, and that is ourselves. So how do we go about that challenge? Because we all know it's easier said than done. Well, one thing that we've been talking about is in terms of obviously trusting in Christ is the first thing, but also then trusting in the words that He teaches us. And so it is this, if you want to, if you want to worry less, then read the Bible more. I know we say this so often, but I've found this so profound in my own life. The more I read Scripture, the less I worry. It is an indirectly proportional reality. The more you read Scripture, the more peace you will have in your life. The more we memorize Scripture, the more peace we will have in our life. The more we think and chew over the truth of God and His love for us, the less time and inclination we will have to worry. The other thing is prayerful listening. We've spoken in these last number of years about silence and solitude about simplicity in life. All of these things, spiritual disciplines and practices, help us to move into a place of confidence and boldness and power in the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know how to enter more fully into being at home with the Father on earth now? Scripture memorization, Scripture reading, praying, solitude, listening and praying, these are the powerhouses by which we discover that Christ has brought us home and that Jesus was not just talking about a future reality, he was talking about the present reality of being at home with the Father. Let's pray together. We take an opportunity now just, perhaps for the first time or perhaps afresh, to make a decision today to say, I accept all that Christ has done for me. I want to come home to be with the Father, now and always. If that's the desire for you, then follow this prayer.
as I pray it over us today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you have taken away all the rubbish and brokenness and sin in my life through Jesus Christ. You offer me this gift of forgiveness, this gift of coming home to you through Jesus. I grasp hold of that gift today. I turn my back on the old, and through baptism, Lord, I step into a new life. If you haven't been baptized, then please do get in touch. We'd love to baptize you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen me to pray and to read the Bible and to understand the joy and the truth that's in there. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, may I live with my eyes fixed on you. Give me strength by your Holy Spirit to be an overcomer of worry, an overcomer of anxiety. Help me to work hard with you by your Spirit, not to be passive in this, but to be active in it and to be one who overcomes, one who thrives, one who lives in the power of your peace. And Lord, we trust and pray and know in this that as we do that, that others will find their way home, that those for whom we pray, those whom we seek to bless, will find their way home to the Father through Jesus Christ. May we be those here are their pair of broken down streets and broken down homes. May we be those as a church who are those to help people discover in this world and in the world to come that there is only one Savior, only one Lord. There is only one who can strengthen and save marriages. There is only one who can heal broken families. There is only one who can heal the wounds of abuse. There is only one who can see us through. There is only one who can expunge worry and anxiety from our lives, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together.